Hi friends, today we are talking about where we might start with summer planning. My name is Victoria Bowler and this is episode 65 of Elemental Conversations. So today we'll look at some ways to approach summer planning. And the next time we are going to look at some very concrete ways to actually sit down once we have carved out the, you know, 20 minutes or so, whatever it is, um, whatever time that is to get our brain together and actually how to get things done, <laughs> um, which is a little bit more tricky um, to actually do than it is just to sit down and say, all right, now I will start my summer planning. This topic is coming from an email that I got recently from a colleague, and it says, I did minimal preparation for the school year in the summer for previous years, which caused a lot of stress. So I wanted to start planning early on. I began prepping this week, and I find that I am overwhelmed with the amount of work to do. How would you recommend I use my time this summer? This is one of the most relatable things I've read in a long time. <laughs> um, I know it's stressful for me to not plan, but I also feel stressed when I sit down to plan. So what's the best way to approach this? Or what are some ways that we could think about approaching this? Given that we also want to spend time with our family, we might want to spend some time out in the garden. Certainly we do not want to be working on school when we are off our contract hours for school. So I hear this. I also hear the overwhelm piece of this loud and clear, and my hand is up there with everyone else. Okay, so today we are going to look at some ways that we might approach summer planning, and I want to break this down, no surprise to anyone here, but I want us to break this down into some elemental questions because there is not a set prescriptive list of things that anyone can give any of us that is um, exactly what we need in the exact order that we need to do it. Everything that we do this summer in terms of planning for next year, that's going to be dependent on how we answer some of these elemental questions. So let's start with number one, how are we doing? Number two, where are we coming from? Number three, what do we want out of our summer planning? This is where we're going to look at some long range planning documents. It's where we're going to spend the majority of our time in this episode. And then number four, are we just overwhelmed or are we overwhelmed by our feelings of overwhelm? I will try not to ramble too much in this and um, to that end, I will go ahead and put some timestamps in the description for this episode so you can link, uh, skip around to any particular section that you are interested in. Or if you are along the, for the ride for this whole thing, I am very happy to have you here. So let's start with um, our first elemental question. How are you doing? Before we jump in and talk about all of the um, kind of logistics of planning the year, you know, all of the documents, all of the songs, all of the routines and everything like that, um, I think we would be doing ourselves a disservice if we did not at least acknowledge the emotional side of planning that we all carry with us. And I want to highlight this feeling of overwhelm and stress. And the reason I say that is that this would be a very different conversation if the email were, um, I am so excited about all of the options I get to try here. How do you think I might focus my energy given that I feel so optimistic about everything? right? That's a very different tone for this conversation. And the first thing I want to say here is that this, the way the, the email is phrased, I think it makes a lot of sense because it is normal to feel overwhelmed at the beginning of a big project. This happens to me. I think this happens to everyone. The beginning of the year is a big 
project in the same way that a big concert is a big project, in the same way that moving into a new house is a big project, in the same way that that any large event can feel overwhelming. Other words that might ring true to us at this time of the year are things like stressed or pressured or rushed or anxious. And there's another side to those feelings, and I'm probably not telling you anything that you don't already know, but just so that I've named it, um, feelings that hang out, that can hang out right alongside overwhelm are also things like apathy or indifference or boredom or feeling unfocused. All of these are kind of in the same um, cluster. So if we feel overwhelmed and anxious, it's normal to also somehow feel apathetic and disengaged. If we say we don't care about summer planning and kind of the the inverse of this, if we say we don't care about summer planning at all, and we're just going to rest and not deal with it right now, it's also normal to have this little anxious feeling or like an energetic feeling of some kind in the back of our brains as we are actively trying to not think about school. So these things live side by side. The apathy and the overwhelm are often very interconnected in terms of like how they how they feel for us to experience. I've been reading a book by Dr. Dr. Lisa Barrett. It's called How Emotions Are Made. And so this, the reason I bring this up is that it's on my mind right now, kind of the emotional lives that we carry with us um, as we go through whatever we are doing in, throughout the day. So it's possible that you feel very differently about summer planning than the phrasing outlined in this email. You might feel very excited or very interested or very curious or very optimistic. And our emotional tone is going to impact how we approach this. So if you are willing, I would like us to start off with actually a deep breath, a big full inhale. And then a very long, slow exhale. And I would like to use that inhale and exhale as a part of our planning process. As we move into our second question in our list of elemental questions, which is where are we coming from? I find it very helpful to start planning for next year based on how the previous year went. And this is the deep breath. Now, for some of us, this will be applicable for others. Like if you are in your first year or if you're starting at a new campus, um, then we can skip this step. The nice thing about this though, if you can do it, it kind of serves as like a gratitude list and a pathway forward for next year. So I really like this step of the process. I have a blog post from several years ago about wrapping up the year. And in that there is a free printable um, with some categories for us to think about. And certainly you can create your own categories here. Again, the answers to the steps forward is going to depend on how you answer the questions. So I broke up these categories at the time I wrote this post, I broke it up into pedagogy, classroom management, concerts or sharing events, and then communication slash collaboration. And these are the four areas that really impact how I experience the year. When they feel like they're aligned for me, when they feel like they're going well, I feel good. When they feel out of alignment, I feel not so good. <laughs> um, the last section is that communication collaboration piece. And that's a, a personal one that I've actually left blank in the print printable because I know that this is not a universal thing that is um, something that everybody is thinking about kind of at the front of their mind. Um, communication is, was, is, it continues to be an area of growth for me. And at the time I wrote that post, if I remember correctly, I was an arts coordinator 
So it was on my mind and it was something that I definitely knew I needed to work on. So uh, these four categories, pedagogy, what was fun to teach last year? What were the concepts or the skills or the understandings or the projects or whatever it is that were especially energizing for me? Classroom management, what did I do to help the class flow? Were there any um, specific activities or any times of the year that felt focused, like we were in a groove? Um, what routines did I use that seemed to work really well? Were there um, grade levels that felt like we were using our time musically? Or were there any classes or any moments or, or anything where I felt like our time was spent with a musical community focus that, that felt like we were actually getting stuff done? in in a productive way. Do you know what I mean? Next, concerts or sharings. Were there any fun sharing events from last year? What parts did I enjoy? Either the repertoire selection or seeing everyone on stage or helping students compose their own songs. What parts of concerts or sharings seem to be going well last year. And then this last category, the other, likely you have a personal category here that resonates with you. And if not, we can leave it blank. No problem. But other categories that might be here could be things like organization or having a morning routine before work or asking for help bah, 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 or using technology. We can probably benefit the most <laughs> from just picking one thing here instead of like 25 things that we want to improve. There's probably something that feels a little bit more impactful than the other ones and probably something that is not on my list. But when you look at your own teaching process, you think to yourself, yes, this is a category that really makes a difference for my teaching. And I was happy with how it went last year. So if you are in a space where you are physically and safely able to do this, I would encourage you just to jot down a few ideas without overthinking it. And I think that's key without overthinking it. Um, or if you are not in a place to write anything down, just sit in a few thoughts. And in fact, I'm going to add a little space here for us to do that without skipping ahead to what would be better, what we need to improve, just kind of resting here and knowing that the year is done. And there were some really beautiful parts that truly do deserve a stop and smell the roses moment. So I'm just going to give us a very, very, very quick moment um, for us to think about pedagogy, classroom management, concerts and sharing, and then anything else that you feel went well this year. And if you're like, no, Victoria, I don't want to do that. No problem. Skip ahead 30 seconds. <laughs> Okay, so now let's talk about hopes and dreams for this year. If we are lifelong learners, then certainly there are going to be things that we want to do differently about this coming year. And again, the reason that we do this is not because um, we are terrible teachers and we have to fix everything right away. It's that we are still in development as teachers and we are still in development as people. And Lord willing, we will continue to develop year over year. And the older we get, the better we get. Do you know what I'm saying? This is where I start to get excited. So how can we take what we were doing last year and extend it further this year? If we are starting a new program, or if this is our first year, this is where we can jump in. 
So pedagogy, are there teaching processes or teaching frameworks that we want to try? For me, yes, absolutely. That could be like at a broad level, like we want to do more authentic projects and assessments, or it could be granular, like we want to use barred instruments or movement more. I think both of those levels are very exciting to look at. One is not better than the other. You can put whatever you want here. So thinking about pedagogy and teaching processes. Next, classroom management. Maybe we want to dig in to helping students do group work a little bit more successfully. I'm saying that because that's my thing. Maybe we want to try out a few opening routines and find our favorite. Maybe we want to keep our instructional sentences shorter. Mm, that's hard. Maybe we want to be more intentional about incorporating opportunities for movement or for differentiation or whatever it is. There's a lot that we could talk about here in classroom management. Next, concerts or sharing. Maybe we want our sharing events this year to be a little bit more reflective of our classroom learning. Or on the flip side, maybe we want our sharing events to be a little bit more polished and a little bit more of that like stand on stage with the lights shining on you, those kinds of risers events. Maybe we want to um, ask community volunteers for help moving instruments onto the performance space. Maybe we want to have repertoire picked out earlier. Maybe we want to reach out to three colleagues and see how they manage their transitions, getting kids on and off the stage. Again, there are certainly a lot of opportunities here to talk about concerts and sharings. And now we have this other category. This is anything that, like we already talked about, makes an impact on how we experience our year on a weekly, monthly, daily basis. So that could be absolutely anything. Okay, so now looking at this list, this is a lot for us to be excited about. We have taken a deep breath. We have described some hopes and dreams. And now with this big list of hopes and dreams and, and kind of this forward motion energy, hopefully we can talk about our next elemental question. What do we want? This is like the meme from the notebook. What do you want? Okay. So what do we want out of summer planning? I think that um, it would be not wise to talk about how to approach summer planning without taking the time to really think about what we want from our summer planning. What would make us feel prepared at the beginning of the year? So I went to Instagram and I asked, um, and many people were kind enough to respond. So if you responded, thank you so much. I went through all of those responses and then several of them stuck out to me because there were themes of the experience that a lot of us want to have. And there were specific outcomes in terms of broad curriculum and organization. And then there were outcomes on a smaller level of being prepared for the year. So I broke these up into experiences, curriculum, and organization, and then small level details. Experiences, um, those responses were things like the win would be if I could take a break before I plan and rest and enjoy my family and clear my mind. Um, another experience, the win would be if it didn't take very long, <laughs> um, if I knew where to start, if I had a local buddy or a think tank, if I could um, not try to do every single thing for next year. All of those were about the experience of planning. Another category, curriculum and organization, and these are just my categories that I see. I'm kind of pulling out themes here. Um, 
some people said if I had an organizational tool to lay out the whole year plans in uh, plans and units. Someone else said if I had rep and a roadmap for our first concert from day one to the first long weekend of October set. Someone else said if I had some flexible bones and a few really finished decisions for big events, like uh, getting as much done for the stressors like performances as possible. Um, someone else said the ideas are not the problem. Designing the framework of how to organize those ideas is. And then someone else said like a monthly outline of songs and goals. So all of this um, has to do with how we are going to organize the year, how we want to kind of structure the, the curriculum and the year itself. And then there were a few small level details, like someone said their goal was to make PowerPoints for songs so they could stop remaking the same slideshow. I hear that. Someone else said um, if they've organized their songs and resources digitally and physically because it helps with lesson planning so much. And I agree with that as well. So in my mind, this part right here is the most important step. Many of us, when we say like, I want to know where to start, many of us already know what we want. We think we want things like flexible bones. We want things like repertoire and a roadmap and long range plans and a framework for organizing ideas. We want outlines. We want to make the important decisions for stressors, things like that. We want to feel prepared for the year. Like we know where we're headed and we also don't want to feel overwhelmed and alone in the planning process. We want to make planning manageable. And then there are some granular things like making the PowerPoints, right? Or moving things to digital form that can help us feel like on the surface level, the surface level of our planning is tidy. So all of these things make a lot of sense. These are beautiful goals. And the way we describe what we want out of our summer planning, that is what is going to keep us grounded as we get into the weeds. Because like we already talked about, it is very normal to feel every single possible feeling at this time of the year as we're planning for the year ahead. And, and just to kind of expand on that a little bit more, we're not planning for the year ahead. We're planning for the year ahead times six for most of us, right? So if we see kindergarten through fifth grade, that is a lot of years to plan. So I agree. I also want to feel prepared. And then when I think about what being prepared looks like in terms of physical planning documents, I can hold or like a literal map for the year. When I think about that feeling prepared, I think long range plans or what someone described in, um, in this response, what someone described as the bones for the year. So with these questions answered, how are we doing? Where are we coming from? And what do we want out of summer planning? I think we are ready to talk about long range plans. I love long range plans. I find them to be so fun to make because they allow for so much flexibility and creativity. And at the same time, there's an order and a structure to them. And it's that order and that structure that in my mind allows us to be creative right? So we can set up those parameters. And then inside those parameters, you know, we can run around and dance around and decorate all the walls and whatever it is, but it's all within a structure. So what do I mean when I say long range plans? There's certainly not one single way to do long range planning. Different um, academic disciplines can approach this kind of differently. And then certainly within music education, there are different ways of approaching this idea of a broad level 
um, picture of the year or of a concept or something like that. So because this is something I'm interested in, I've done a couple um, episodes, blog posts, things like that. So I will link those in the show notes. But let's talk about two documents that are very big for me at the beginning of the year. Again, because of how I have answered that elemental question of what I want out of my planning, I can jump in to these two documents and those are a scope and sequence and then concepts and songs list. So let's talk about those two and then we're going to touch on first day of school lessons, but we won't spend too much time there. Okay. So a scope and sequence, a scope and sequence is a document that helps us pair our hopes and dreams for students with some of the time constraints that we feel as elementary general music teachers. Another way I like to think about this is a time budget. And at the risk of sounding too simplistic, at the risk of sounding, yeah, no duh, Victoria, there are some things about the school year that we can expect that we know are going to happen. And then there are some things that are going to be a surprise until the moment they happen. And when we are using it well, our scope and sequence can help us ground expectations. So we feel a little bit more uh, free to create within the structure of things that will be unknown and things that we can count on. I like jumping into a scope and sequence pretty early in the planning process because it helps me see on a zoomed out level what we might get to do during the year. That is so, this is so exciting for me. This is very energizing for me. And the process to make it is pretty simple. Um, I have plans to make a video on this, but in the meantime, I will link to a blog post in the show notes about a scope and sequence, and it shows uh, a picture of what mine looks like. If you're in the planning binder, you have lots of examples of this. Um, I like to do mine in a Google spreadsheet, and in part, that's for my job because I'm giving it out to so many people. But I have a friend who prints off a physical calendar, and she does hers in pencil. Personally, I like pencil and paper for this for a lot of reasons. And in reality, I'm using both, right? Because I'll often end up sketching ideas on paper before they go into the computer. And we'll talk a little bit more about that um, in the next episode when we talk about some more tactile things that we can do to, to help us get these plans off the ground. Okay, when we make our scope and sequence, we are going to pull up the school calendar and plug in the big events for the year. So school breaks, teacher planning holidays, uh, sorry, teacher planning or holidays or report cards or parent teacher conferences or anything like that. And then we're going to go through and we're going to make some guesstimates on the music ideas or the music events for the year. And if you already know these events, like when you're going to have your concerts or your sharings or your trips or whatever it is, then fabulous, more power to you. You have a lot more information than um, some of us. So we might have a choir concert. We might have a concert. We might have an informants. We might be taking a trip to visit the community, anything that would kind of change the regular teaching flow that is going to go in the scope and sequence. If we don't have specific days on the calendar yet, then we're going to put them in with an understanding that they are a general Yes. So we might know that we want to do an informants in the spring, but we might not know if that date is going to be in April or March, right? Either way, we know that we'll probably want some classes leading up to that to be informants prep. And that right there, that is the beauty of this document when we make it realistically 
It can shift up, it can shift down, but it doesn't crumble. We can push some concepts back later, we can get to them sooner, but the entire yearly plan itself is not going out the window with very rare exceptions like uh, March 2020. So now let's go through and let's count out the number of lessons we have each month. So I've just pulled up my second grade scope and sequence. Next to August, I have two lessons. September, I have four lessons. October, I have four lessons. November, I have three lessons. So things like that. So I know how many times I um, can reasonably expect to see students within a month. But here's the next piece of this. Um, I'm going to go through, and after I've counted the number of lessons I have each month, I am going to slash some of those numbers to make them lower because at some point in our teaching schedule, we will hit a bump, right? At some point, I'm going to take a day off. At some point, I'm going to want to do something a little bit different to keep myself interested in this work, right? So not following the exact um, concepts and skills trajectory that I've laid out. I'm going to want to change it up just a little bit. Um, I'm going to have a fun project that I want to try. I'm going to want to be my own sub and have kids do a listening activity. These are the breathing room weeks inside the planning binder. And inside the planning binder, I have three of them carved out. So hypothetically, after I have all of the breaks and things like that set in my scope and sequence, that might be something like 33 lessons. I'm going to cut that back to 30 lessons. And then I'll also add here because some people care about this, some people don't, but just so that it's decided when we're counting how many times we have lessons within a single month, I'm just counting the Mondays of that month. So even if like in October, October 30th is a Monday, most of that week is in November. I still lump it into October because the start of the week is a Monday. The start of all of our weeks are Mondays, but hopefully you know what I mean. Whatever um, decide once rule we have for thinking about how many weeks go in the month, that is helpful so that we're not kind of doing twists and turns in our brain, just decide one time. So now I have a pretty good idea of how many uh, weekly interactions I am going to have with, with classes. This is the part in a scope and sequence where many people will put in their standards or their overarching learning goals or their transferable understandings or their units or summative assessments or um, big projects, things like that. For me, that comes in when I create concept plans. So right now, I just want to get the structure, knowing that there are things here that can change throughout the year, but I know how my yearly schedule can hold the teaching content. Does that make sense? So big... Um, you know, unit understandings that will come later. This is kind of like when I think about tidying up the year, this is kind of like how I like to clean the kitchen before I make a big mess in the kitchen. <laughs> um, I find a lot of peace in looking at the structure of the year and almost seeing it like in zones broken up by school breaks or days that I've already decided are breathing room um, or things like that. So that's a scope and sequence. Let's move on to a concepts and songs list. Because in an active music room, the material that we learn about and the, the experience that we have, we are going to ground those in the repertoire. So this is a really fun step. The repertoire is the context for, for how we are going to learn. When I was talking to one of my sisters a few years ago, she had ended up teaching general music, but her, her actual background is a band director. And she and I were on the phone and we were walking through the planning binder um, before she started her year. And she was like, okay, okay, got it, got it. We're good. And then we got to the scope and sequence. Sorry, we got to the concepts and songs list section. And she was like, this, 
this is what I need. This is what I've been looking for, but I didn't know I was looking for it. If I have a list of songs that I can use to teach whatever it is we're teaching, I can do the rest on my own. And I was like, great, go, go forth. (laughs) So this list is where we are going to write down some of our favorite songs for helping students recognize and pull out musical patterns. So if I'm looking at one of these documents for third grade, I have some songs to review concepts from second grade. And then I have songs that I want to use for low law, for ta di mi, for low so, for takeri, and high do. Now, can these songs change? Yes. Will some of them likely change? Also, yes. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Inside the planning binder, there are also two selections for teacher choice in each musical pattern because I have never met your students and I have never had the chance to ask them what songs they like. So I want to make sure that that document can breathe in a couple different situations, depending on um, the kinds of repertoire that you want to use in your classroom. So in order to make this document, we are going to need a sequence of musical patterns, something like doing law in second grade or starting with mi, re, do, or so and me, those types of things. If we're going to have the musical patterns and songs that we're going to use to teach those musical patterns, then we're going to need kind of a sequence of of the the trajectory of of musical things (laughs) that we are going to teach. So if you Google Victoria Bowler curriculum outline, you will find a few possible examples of this. Um, To some extent, just as an aside, I have uh, some mixed feelings about keeping that post up because it's very very easy to lose nuance on the internet and reduce things to Kodai teachers do it this way, ORF teachers do it this way. And in reality, of course, we are not Kodai teachers and ORF teachers. We are humans teaching other humans. But This is a good time um, as any to say that for me personally, I do not have a strong feeling about what sequence people use to teach. I think that in a spiral curriculum, if that's what we want to do, it makes sense to have levels in a specific area like rhythm or melody that build on each other. So students can revisit that area with more information year after year after year. So our things that we can um, cognitively do with that area are going to extend and extend extent. But the starting point and the specific melodic or rhythmic path that we choose to weave is not something that I um, get hung up on or feel strongly about. So feel free, you know, start with me, right? Do start with so and me and, and live your best life. Okay. <laughs> um, repertoire selection is maybe one of the favorite things that I have about my job. It is truly so much fun for me. And so because I put a lot of care into the repertoire section of the planning binder, I would probably be remiss if I didn't at least mention it as a resource, if it's something that you're looking for. Um, Because this is something that I've worked very hard on, I'm proud of it. And if you enjoy this style of teaching, then you might enjoy that too. All right. So now at some point, this concepts and songs list is going to get linked back to the scope and sequence. And what I mean by that is I'm kind of triangulating the structure of the year with the sequence of concepts inside the year. So given all of the things that I know we're going to want to do with these patterns and all of the different ways that we are going to transfer them and link them to new situations and compose and share out and everything like that, do I have time for the concepts and songs that I'm filling out? Does that make sense? So you, we're going to build our scope and sequence, or for me personally, Uh, We're going to build our scope and sequence 
and get the bones set. And then we are going to create our concepts and songs list. And then we kind of plug things in. Do I have enough time to teach the concepts that I think I will? Something that I've done in the past with this is I'll kind of map out the first semester of my scope and sequence of like the, the um, flow of concepts that I'm going to teach and then leave the rest of the year blank. So definitely feel free to kind of use as much detail or as little detail as you need in order to feel like you have your brain wrapped around the year. This is a time where I would remind us of Howard Gardner's quote that the enemy of understanding is coverage. The enemy of understanding is coverage. Our our goal is not to cram in as much musical information as we can, right? Coverage is not the goal. So let's make a breathable year. So with concepts and songs lists and with a scope and sequence, let's very quickly talk about first day of school lessons. My first day lessons follow a very similar flow from grade to grade. So we're going to walk in together. We're going to do some getting to know you songs or activities. We're going to establish assigned spots. We're going to go over routines. And then in the second portion of class, we're going to do some sort of movement activity of some kind. Um, we'll probably review a song from the, from, from the previous year. Um, or for this year, since I'm at a new campus, it's just going to be do a fun song that I know I'll want to build on in the future. If you Google Victoria Bowler first day of music, you will find a blog post that I worked pretty hard on and I'm not replicating that post in a uniform way this year, but if you are looking for an outline and you are not inside the planning binder, that might be a post that you find interesting or helpful. I sure hope that's true. Friends inside the planning binder, first day of school lessons are going to be live pretty soon when this episode comes out. So those are going to be available for us to look through. And then that second lesson for the first weeks of school, that is essentially the same as the first day lesson. We do the same opening sets of activities because people are going to forget where their spot is, right? And that's expected. (laughs) Um, They've had a lot of new information to take in and apply for all their other class routines with their other teachers. So the second week of class, it's very much worth reviewing the first week of class. And then in that second portion of the lesson, that is maybe where I can add in some variety and introduce a new game that perhaps we didn't do last year. So maybe it's not the same exact uniform lesson from the first week to the second week, but definitely I want to circle back and kind of review what we went over in that first experience. I like to have the first day planned out after I have songs picked out. And this helps us, uh, helps me know where I'm going and it helps me be excited and full of ideas for how I want the first day to go. I don't necessarily recommend starting summer planning with the very granular details of the first day of school plans, because um, in, in my opinion, in my perspective from how I think about this, the way I want to start the year is going to be dependent on all the other fun things that I'm preparing us for. So I want to start with all the fun things, the concepts and the songs before I start the first day of school plans. That way, those first days, those first moments are going to be very purposeful. I can build on those for future, for future lessons. Does that make sense? Okay. So we have talked about a lot of fun things. We have talked about the emotional side of planning. We've talked about taking a deep breath and thinking about where we're coming from. We have talked about what we want out of our summer planning. And then we've looked at two 
documents that can be helpful as we map out the year. And we've touched on the first day of school. So now let's talk, let's wrap it back up with going back to this idea of feeling overwhelmed or feeling overwhelmed by overwhelm. When we listen to a big long podcast and we've been Pinteresting and Googling and saving things to Instagram and watching YouTube videos and talking to friends and going through our books and our workshop notes and everything like that. After that long process, we might feel just as stuck in our decisions as when we started. Because sometimes more information and more ideas are not better. There's a law of diminishing returns here, where if we have a few good ideas and a few resources with that we resonate with, it's probably a good idea, a good idea to stop there and get to planning, right? So if a few books and podcasts and Instagram accounts are good for getting ideas at the beginning of the year, more books and podcasts and Instagram accounts would even be better, right? And I think that that is rarely true for me in particular, but probably rarely true for you as well. More noise is not always beneficial. So let's revisit this idea of overwhelm as we wrap up. And I just want to reiterate again, it is normal to feel overwhelmed. It's also possible, again, I'm going back to this um, book that I've been reading about emotions. Um, The feeling in our bodies can be interpreted through different stories. So sometimes the energy we feel in our bodies can be interpreted through the lens of anxiety and nervousness, or we might interpret it through the lens of excitement. And both can be true. I recall reading about this in the book, The Inner Game of Music. Do you guys know this book? When I was in my undergrad, it really, really helped me with not only how I approached musical performances, but also how I approached other performances just in general in my life, such as the first day of school or even planning for the first day of school. I wonder if we can acknowledge that we feel overwhelmed And at the same time, not be immobilized, not be overwhelmed by that feeling of overwhelm. Do you know what I'm saying? So next week, we will talk about what happens when we actually sit down to plan and we're looking at an empty piece of paper or we're looking at a blinking cursor on the screen and we don't know how to start writing these ideas. Or what happens to me? We sit down and we plan and we realize that actually we should really be doing laundry or making a grocery list or reading a flower bed. Basically that there are always more pressing fires to put out and we never actually get around to planning, even though we have very good intentions. It's just every time we sit down to plan, we realize that there are many other things that we could be doing instead. So that is coming next week. In the meantime, could you do me a favor? Could you write me an email or send me a DM if any of this rings true to you? And that can help me um, as I put together some of the strategies that we'll talk about next time. All right, friends, this has been a lot of fun. Um, Until we talk again, I hope you have a very restful week, or at least that you have some moments of rest within this week. All right, take care.